The following presentation is brought to you by KMmedia.pro. Please visit KMmedia.pro for more information. Now stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio, evolving ideas, one conversation at a time. Great guests, dynamic stories and interviews, plus new thoughts on a wide range of topics and concepts. I hope that you'll hang with me, Kevin McDonald, my friends, and of course, you, as together we work to understand why we are all here and what we can do to make our world a better place for all of us to be happy, be kind, and live in peace together. Yep, that's Positive Talk Radio. Another episode of Positive Talk Radio. I'm so happy that you're here. Hey. <laughs> I'm so happy our guest for the hour is here. And her name is Dr. Rita Louise. And she is an amazing, simply amazing young woman. Um, she's got all kinds of stuff going on. She's a medical intuitive. She's an intuitive counselor. She's a, uh, spiritual energy coach. Uh, she can do spiritual energy. She's also highly intuitive. So if you, um, she can, she can work for, with you in all phases of your life. And, and she, she works with the whole person, uh, the, uh, the physical, the emotional, the spiritual, uh, she can talk to you about your chakras and and your energy systems and all of that stuff. And she's written almost a billion books. Well, not quite, a billion, <laughs> but she's written a bunch of books. And uh, we're going to get into all of that right now. But first of all, let me welcome Dr. Rita. How are you? I am doing great. I'm so excited to like get to be around your energy and your presence yet again. <laughs> are you? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm just a uh, never mind. I'm 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 trying to not be self-deprecating anymore. That's that's something that I'm trying to get away from. So good, but it's great to have you here. And uh, I enjoyed our last conversation. I'm glad you came back. I would like you to come back on. Uh, um, I do a show on KKNW 11:50 a.m. in Seattle. And before we're done today, I would like to book you for that show if we can do that. So okay. that we can take a bunch of calls and uh, and um, you can help people uh, over the phone because you you can do that because it's, everything is just energy, right? Exactly. It's good. So tell us about yourself. Where did you? I know you came from your mom and your dad, but <laughs> what what decided you to get into this and what is your passion? Okay, so growing up, there were well, there was a bunch of different factors. You know, so the first factor was growing up, we were required to read a book every two weeks to get our allowance. And I never really found any interest in reading fiction. You know, I read one Nancy Drew book and that was it. And I worked my way through the entire archaeology and anthropology department at the library. And then there was, it was like, you know, a bucket list item to go to the La Brea Tar Pit, which I found out is in downtown LA, right next to the Museum of Modern Art. And I was like, really? Oh, I got to go there. And I like got some tar because it like oozes up out of the sidewalk. It was very yes. exciting. I, But anyway, for a weird, you know, person like that. Anyway, um, but around that same time, there were two TV shows. There was The Amazing Kreskin, who was a mentalist and had ESP. 
Oh, 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 I remember he had a board game. Did you ever get the board game? I didn't get the board game, but now I might have to go look for it. I, I don't know if it's available anymore, but he actually, in, with that board game, he actually used a pendulum. I believe that. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, if I, like, move the camera around, there's actually a picture of him on the bookcase behind me from 1973. What? And, the, what a, I have to ask you, because I don't know, whatever happened to him? He still, I saw him, I mean, this is where I'm dating it here, probably about 10 years ago in Dallas and went with my office mate who uh, was a hypnotherapist and he did street magic. And so when the show was over, I'm like, okay, so were you detecting anything fake? And he goes, no. And wait, 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 I got to go on stage. Oh, cool. Ah. And I got like the Kreskin mind meld thing and I have pictures of that and got to talk to him in person. I mean, it was talk about bucket list items was to like hang out with Kreskin. That was that was really cool. Uh, well, he was a, a guy that. Yeah, when he <laughs> when he had his show, this was before, you know, there was really much of a spiritual movement. This was back in the 70s. And, mm -hmm. and so it was very unique and he was very successful doing it. Mm -hmm. But no, he's still around. As a web page, T.A. Kreskin, the amazing Kreskin. So there was that show, and then there was another show called The Sixth Sense. So not the movie, but a TV series about a college professor who ran the parapsychology course at a university, and he had ESP. And, you know, so he would, like, go into a room and touch a piece of paper. He would see a vision of Mary driving down, the, you know, Highway 1 in California, but someone cut her brake lines and she flies off the cliff. And he would run out and stop Mary from getting in her car, and they would see the brake fluid underneath. Ooh. Yeah, and so, you know, so I moved from the archaeology and anthropology department to the ESP area which was about that big there was probably maybe 10 books which was right next to the witchcraft books which i couldn't touch because i went to catholic <laughs> school so you know that wasn't happening and, um, you know and it's interesting because really all of my focus has been on you know psychic and spiritual pursuits and a couple of my books that we're going to talk about really dig back into my first love in life, which was archaeology and anthropology and ancient mysteries. And other than that, not really so much. <laughs> I want to remind everybody who's under 40 that um, ESP stands for extrasensory perception. And that's what they used to call psychic ability way back in the day. And mm -hmm. now, now it's morphed into, you know, mediumship and, and psychics and, and, and all of that and energy workers and, and all and healers and all that kind of thing. But back in the day, they all lumped everybody into ESP and it was kind of a, um, it, it was viewed as an anomaly, not, not a real thing. Um, more of a, a, like his TV show, but now mm -hmm. they've discovered that it actually is real. Not that everybody believes that, but, and the folks, especially in the, uh, anthropology department, uh, they're, they can be a bit of skeptical about this the whole thing, can't they? Oh, very much so. 
you know, it makes me laugh. Every so often you'll see an article on Facebook or whatever. It's like scientists have discovered that people can feel, you know, somebody standing next to them without them touching them. And it's like, hello. <laughs> We've known that for years. You know, and my, my usual snide comeback is, you know, if you go down to the metaphysical bookstores, you can find tons of books that talk about that phenomena very specifically. And they've oh. talked about it for thousands of years and you're just discovering it. Yeah. Now, as a, as a uh, cheap party gift, I, I'm going to give this to, to the audience, which is if you are, go to a party and you want to play around with people and play with energy, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take a subject, put them in the, in the middle of the room, have them close their eyes, put your right hand where, on, on about, a, uh, about three inches from their back, your left hand three inches from your front, and slowly, without touching them, slowly move your hands back and forth. And when their eyes are closed, they won't even know it, but their body will start swaying. In, in time with you because really? it is yeah yes i we did I've never had done that but i'm gonna have to try it on somebody yes well because it's it's part of your energy and it in in your energy is as you know is outside of your body and with your aura and all of that so so it must be so you're trying you've taken a scientific slash metaphysical approach to all of this very much so. I mean, you know, the science part, there isn't a whole lot in the literature because yeah. they just are barely believing that any of this is possible. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is I look for consistency, you know, in people talking about different items versus just jumping on the bandwagon and going, oh, OK, you know, this is what it must be. You know, or yeah. from my own personal experience of interacting with different things. I have clients that they'll go, okay, so I'm going to tell you this, but it's really weird. And I'm like, I'm, you are like in the land of weird. I go, now every so often someone says something to me that even is weird on my barometer of weird, but it has to be really good at this point in time. <laughs> well, given the work that you do, you've seen so much. And you've been around some really, really gifted people. The, 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 the folks that I get the biggest kick out of are the ones that will, um, you know who John Edward is. Mm -hmm. um, I had him on my show and one time, and he, did, he was doing readings for us. One of the readings was my sister because I set it up so that because she wanted to talk to him. And so I knew what he was saying as he was saying it because I know the same relatives and all that kind of stuff. And uh, there are people and I, there are people out there that, that would say he was doing what's called a cold reading, mm -hmm. which he'd never, he was in New York. He was on the phone. He was talking to my sister who's in Seattle. They've never met. He did not know it was my sister. I didn't tell him anything about him and he was spot on and they still won't believe it. Why won't they believe it when that evidence is sitting right in front of them? I don't know. I, you know, I mean, I can get into a whole lot of like, you know, politically incorrect parallels, uh, <laughs> but I don't know where you scream to. So I'm just going to like, <laughs> and zip it now. <laughs> it's, it's, it just amazes me. And, and I, I, you know, cause it's also logical. 
And it isn't the work that you do with people um, in, in energy healing and with your psychic abilities and stuff, it doesn't just follow a logical pattern. No. And, you know, there are times where I'm about to say something to someone and some weird other thought will jump into my head and I'm like, okay, weird other thought, but I've learned that I have to listen to the weird other thought that jumps into my head, you know, and it happens a lot more with uh, my health clients, you know, so I'm talking to them about, you know, they have some issue going on, you know, so, you know, so I'm a naturopath also. So I work with people with herbs, supplements, dietary changes, lifestyle changes, you know, whatever they need to do to experience health. And so there's the doctor brain, I'm going to try to get, and then there's the intuitive brain. And sometimes they agree, sometimes not so much, you know, but they bounce off of each other. So the doctor brain is usually like, okay, so you have inflammation going on. These are the kinds of things that you can take and what seems like it's working for you. Where am I getting a really high? Yes, yes, yes. And sometimes I don't really get that, you know, or not that much, but then other times I'll get, hydrangea. Well, it's not on my list, you know, so I'm like, hold on. And I get on my computer and I type in what the issue is. It's comma hydrangea and it's a remedy for whatever they have going on. Oh, Just, wow. You know, and so now I've learned that voice is usually right because I have gone online and looked things up and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Now, we can all do that, right? But we don't listen to that little crazy voice. You know, I think being intuitive or having psychic abilities is kind of like dancing or being able to create art, that there's a spectrum. There are some people that are very naturally attuned to it and other people, uh, not so much. Uh, but I think most people kind of fall into that middle area, you know, where they, they receive a certain amount. You know, and then in that group, they might be more attuned to it, but you're right. They don't listen to themselves. They don't listen to the information that comes in and, you know, then they beat themselves up for not listening to themselves. <laughs> exactly. Because the information is all right there within us. Mm -hmm. And if we pay attention, we can listen to it and, and get, have you ever, when you're talking to somebody about their health, and stuff, and you, they've got a problem, and, and you're telling them what the, they should do. Have they ever said to you, yeah, I know, I know, yeah, I should be, yeah, um, because they already know what they mm -hmm. should do to, to be better. They just need confirmation from somebody else. I mean, most of the time, the things that I tell people just validate what they already know. I mean, sometimes they they think they know, you know, and so they've taken things to a certain level and then I look below that and they're like, oh, that's something I didn't consider. But what you're saying is true. You know, um, my personal favorites are you do a reading for someone and then they get mad because you tell them everything that they know already. And it's like, yeah, but I don't know you. <laughs> You know, you sent me an email. So how am I supposed to know you already know this stuff that I'm seeing? You know, I don't know. But the question is, do they do it? 
Um, cause a lot of the, we all know what we should do basically, but a lot of us make a conscious decision not to do it. Compliance is definitely an issue. <laughs> That's a bumper sticker. Do you know that? <laughs> well, you know, if you watch house, that series house, you know, and he, you know, one of his pat lines is, you know, people lie, you know, and one of mine is, you know, compliance is an issue. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, and, and you've been doing a lot of work in a lot of areas, but you're also an author. How did mm -hmm. you decide that you wanted to start writing books? Well, you know, I never, it was never on my radar of things to do, just like doing a radio show it was never on my radar of things to do. And, um, <clears throat> and I can't remember what my first article was. I think it might've been an article about Jerry Garcia. I don't know, but you know, I wrote it and I, cause I lived in Seattle in Everett at the time and I submitted it to the new times magazine and they published it and she really liked it, you know, which kind of was like, okay. And, um, you know, so I was a regular contributor to that publication oh, cool. you know? and, um, you know, and that just kind of started things rolling because people really liked what I had to say, really liked my articles. Um, you know, and your audience will hear this. It's like, I only do what they tell me to do, you know? So it's not like I sit down and decide I'm going to write a book. You know, usually it's like, hey, you should write a book and it should be about this. And it's like, okay. <laughs> Well, apparently you get talked to quite often because you've got quite a list here. Uh, let me go through them real quick so that uh, um, uh, the dysfunctional dance of the empath and the narcissist stepping out of Eden, e the E.T. Chronicles. I've heard of that one. Uh, what myth and legend have to say about human origin? Avoiding so that's all one book. E.T. Chronicles, what myth and legends have to say about human origins is one book. And what does the Etiel Chronicles have to say about the myth and religion of, of, about the human origin? Well, you know, personally, I didn't like that title. The publisher changed the name. The original title, which is available on my website, complete with spelling and grammatical errors, uh, <laughs> was man-made the Chronicles of our Extraterrestrial Gods, which I thought was a better title, but they didn't like it. Um, you know, so what that book talks about is what I did, and it's going to be easier to explain it from this perspective. So what I did was I did a survey of mythology looking for stories that coincided with key topics in the narrative. And I started with in the beginning and I ended with just after the flood narrative. <clears throat> Because one of the things that I found in this survey is that during that period of time, we actually do find a global narrative where a story that you find in the Native American culture, you find in the Sumerians and you find in Australia. So there is this commonality of stories. And so imagine this, a giant Excel spreadsheet and across the Excel spreadsheet are topics like, you know, in the beginning, you know, and uh, the sun, the moon, the stars appearing in the sky, the concept of a golden age, you know, the concept of a flood. And so those are some of the major points that 
seemed to show up all the time. And so I would look for those and then go, okay, so what was happening before? What was happening after? How did this narrative play out? And what I found was a pretty consistent timeline of human or history on the planet. And the part that I thought was most fascinating was humanity doesn't appear until pretty much the second to last chapter of the book. Period. Actually, the last chapter. Excuse me? Who doesn't appear until the last? I, I missed that. I'm sorry. Humanity. Oh. So I we're not created yeah. to the end. Yeah. You know, and so there's this whole long story of the gods and the wars and the giants and all of this stuff going on. And as a repercussion of this history, they make man. Now, one of the other things that I found very interesting was that the biblical story of creation actually follows the storyline, except you have to get rid of all the gods and you have to get rid of all of the battles between the gods. So basically, you know, the first however many chapters up until that last chapter are pretty much eliminated. <laughs> <laughs> all right, get it. You know, for example, for example, and please excuse me if you're a biblical scholar, I don't have, well, actually, I can look in here because I happen to have a copy of the man-made version, not the E.T. Chronicles version right here. But I, I think it was on the third day, God created, um, all right, too many words. Uh, <laughs> so on the third day, um, God creates all the plants of the earth. Okay, yes. so I think that was the third day. It might have been the fourth. No, it had to have been the third day. So God creates all the plants. But then on the fourth day, God puts the sun, the moon, and the stars in the sky. So when you read that, it doesn't really make any sense because how can you have plants without the sun in the sky? doesn't exactly. really work. However, <laughs> when you look at cultures around the world, there is a, and I'm going to interpret it in my way, a terraforming event that occurs where the blood and bones of a giant or some other happening happens to put the trees in the mountains and the water and blah, 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 dry land out there. And then they talk about the sun, the moon, and the sky being put in the sky. So they follow that narrative line. So, but who followed whom would be would be the question. Did the did the Bible um, scholars follow the narrative that was already pre existing? That would they, be my guess. I, that's what I would believe as well, because they because the Bible was not written until like two thousand years before Christ, um, and, and in that in that time frame, mm -hmm. and so it would it was different. And but the narrative goes back, you know, like. Uh, um, the I, I can't I can't remember the, the, the writings in India the Vedas um, and stuff like that yeah those are those are much older than mm -hmm. than and there also was at the time of Christ there also were a bunch of prophets that that were born of a virgin um, and of different different uh, um, um, societies and and stuff that and so they had kind of the same 
same things going on. So, but where did, so in your book, does it explain the origins of it or is it just in, in like who thunk it up to begin with? Well, unless you take the viewpoint of these are the stories of the gods and the gods shared their stories with us and we passed them down from generation to generation. That would make, that would make sense. Now, who are the gods? Well, see, this is where it starts getting a little controversial. And there's two different angles that can happen. Okay. And, you know, so the, in my opinion, there's the big G God, you know, the omnipotent, invisible. If you're doing law of attraction, you're connecting with that source. Um, and then there's the little, as Giorgio Zuclos, you know, the guy with the hair on Ancient Alien says, and then there are the little G gods. And if you actually read the Bible looking at, God as being one of these little G gods that came to the earth and inhabited it and had all these wars, um, it makes a whole lot more sense. You know, but then, you know, because there's a lot of assumptions you have to make just based on the evidence that's presented, you know, but man's history has really evolved around the concept of ritual and the concept of connecting with God, you know, so you have the Sufis that do their dancing to create an ecstatic state so that they can connect with the gods and the Bushmen that do fasting and do all of this stuff so that at the last day of the festival, they can connect with the gods or the people that do ayahuasca or uh, peyote, you know, a drug induced connection. It's to connect with the gods and as part of that experience, there are people that get downloads, you know, of information. And so, you know, whether the gods shared their story, whether this was a download, but there's this level of consistency that you find around the planet. Um, and I'm going to add something else. There are many people who suggest that, you know, but it's like telephone. You know, if I tell a story and it makes its way around the circle, it's going to come back to me in a totally different form, right. you know, and they just make the assumption that if you tell a myth, you know, or a story that over the thousands of years, it's going to be corrupted, but that's not really the case. And they have evidence, you know, and I'm not going to go into that, um, where there are stories that, you know, are 10,000 years old or 14,000 years old that have been proven through like the archeological record or geological record. But I'm going to put a little spin on it to bring it up more contemporary. You know, if you know a cover band, you know, that plays everything from ACDC to Eddie Money to whatever, you know, and you could just throw a song at them and they can play it, know all the words and know all the, the, the notes to it. That's a lot of freaking information. You it know? is. And that's what the bards were. You know, and in the day, they kind of sang the song, you know, they kind of chanted the song. And so that's how they were passed down from generation to generation. I mean, even if you think of Christmas carols, it's like, you know, everybody at least knows the first verse to Jingle Bells. And we only sing that song once a year. Exactly. But, you know, but so I mean, it's possible. Well, it's not only I think it's not only possible, I think it's very likely. And and because all the cultures are were not 
left to themselves really i mean they did they didn't um talk back and forth and 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 stuff like that didn't they way way back when you know where i would get the most excited in doing this research was if i found a story that came from australia or came from the americas you know the aborigines they do something totally different don't they or or is is there a commonality there oh no there's definitely commonalities isn't that there's this guy Oh, Wessler. I can't think of his first name. And he wrote the the history of myth, I think. Okay, it's a book like this thick. And, you know, it really is a little laborious to get through. I mean, obviously, I read it because I found it fascinating. Um, You know, and what was interesting was what he found was consistent with what I found, except he obviously spent way more time working on it. And he was more of a linguist than I am. So... Um, you know, it's so he found kind of like two threads of myth that you find around the world. Um, but again, he found the consistencies from, you know, culture to culture that, you know, in our estimation, were not in contact and were not in communication with each other. You know, so the choices are, you know, these stories are exceedingly old and, you know, or they were taught to us by the gods you know, at some other date and were moved forward as man evolved and became more sentient. I got to ask you, because you bring up an interesting point. Do they know how the Aborigines got there? There are a number of different theories, you know. So one theory is that, God, I know too much freaking information, Kevin. I know, that's why uh, you're here. (laughs) I can ask you almost anything. That, um that Homo erectus actually was a seafaring and they were able to go along the coast, you know, they say from South Africa and work their way to Australia. Um, they say that they came from like New Zealand and that area as they moved out, you know, but then if you look, talk to like Stephen and Evan Strong, who are researchers in Australia, You know, they're really more of an out of Australia theory where humanity was actually molded in Australia or perhaps Antarctica and then spread from that location. Now, that's interesting. That's a couple of points I'd never heard of. So, you know, that's so, you know, at the end of the day, who knows? I mean, it was a long, long time ago and we probably never will know. I have more. So in Australia or in Southeast Asia, you've heard of Java Man, you know, he hit the newspaper, you know, and so he was dated to prior to the movement of man out of uh, Africa. And so when the dating came out and they started finding bones in Africa that had later dates, they were like, oh, no it must not have the right date because obviously, you know, there wasn't anybody there. And so it's kind of like, eh, well, maybe it is real and you just don't want to, it was political. How's that? <laughs> I, I, think, I think that's, I think that's fair. Now you, you've studied a lot of the stuff, you know, the one, the one thing that always, always 
crosses my mind. By the way, we're talking with uh, Dr. Uh, Rita Louise. She's got a number of books out. She's also a uh, healer, and and you can go talk to her and go to soulhealer.com and find out all about her and her books. And then you can actually even book an appointment with her. If you've got an issue that she can help you with, um, and she can help you with almost anything, then give her a call and, and or email her, and she can help you uh, with your health um, and, and a bunch of other stuff. But I wanted to ask you, wait a minute. I think I lost my, my train of thought on, on that one. Dang it. It was, it was, it was going to be one of the best questions I'd ever asked in my entire life. Um, it'll come back to me. So, um, so in, in any event, um, it's, it's great to have you here. And uh, um, you, are, you are very gifted at what you do. And you're also a lot of fun. So, you know, it's, it's awesome to have you here. What was I going to ask? It was, it was going to be good. I just know it. Um, well, let me ask you something else. Um, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do it? So the best way for someone to get a hold of me is to go to my webpage, soulhealer.com, and use the contact form because it, you know, goes to my inbox. It doesn't end up in junk. You know, if you just put like hello in the title, I like got a very heavy delete finger. Um, and, you know, and just being real here, it's, and we all have this experience. We get so much spam phone calls that I get kind of hesitant in answering my phone. You know, so. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, the coolest thing that, now do you, uh, now T-Mobile, they've got, they will actually put a spam, uh, spam call on it rather than the number. And so you can just delete it from there. If, if you got T-Mobile, I don't know if the others do that or not. I mean, I have that, but it doesn't make like a business to business phone call. It's like, oh, this book that you wrote 500 years ago, you know, you know, you want, we want to help you market it. It's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> was it so the other books that I wrote, you don't care about those. <laughs> now, which was the last one that you wrote? The dysfunctional dance of the empath and narcissist was the most recent. Ah, very good. But you also wrote at the time that the the secret came out about the law of attraction and reincarnation. Uh, have we been here before? Um, what is your conclusion about the law of attraction and reincarnation? So, well, those are two very diverse topics. Yes, they are. But <laughs> you have them in one book. No, they're not. They're in articles. Oh, those are articles. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry about that. But I'll respond. Um, so, I mean, I, I believe in the law of attraction, um, and actually right now I, and it's going to be yet a new book because, but I, I'm getting the like, okay, gather the information, you know, but I haven't gotten the like, sit down and write cause I'm not there yet, you know, but really looking at our inner world, you know, and according to people like Eckhart Tolle or, uh, Abraham, you know, Esther Hicks. And actually I found books that were written in the twenties that address this topic. You know, it's really about what you think and what you feel, you know, and I have this whole commentary about affirmations, you know, and why they don't work for us, um, which I won't go into cause that's a whole discussion, you know, and just about like 
keeping your energy clear and keeping your energy positive, you know, and a lot of people talk about it up here and I want to take those concepts and really bring them down to a more body level, a more like, this is what's going on inside of you <laughs> so that, you know, you can really get it. And I'm good at doing that, but I'm not sure how I'm going to do it. So that's why I haven't really started writing yet. Well, you need to, you need to write that book because we need to bring everything down into rather than you know way up way up here in in the in the atmosphere bring it down to the human level so that we can because you're right the um the law of attraction and affirmations affirmations are great number one you got to believe them and number two you got to act on them um at least that's that's my belief but uh it's it's it's, you know, there are so many out there, so many people and that are writing books and different things that, that they're, that it can get confusing, can't it? Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, I think how clear is your in, information, you know, how clear are you bringing the information through you? You know, so one, for example, the ET Chronicles slash man-made book, um, I didn't really know what I was going to write about, you know, but I would sit there and pick a topic, you know, well, what about this? And, you know, as I'm working through this narrative and so I would like dig down into this and then I would find like a phrase or a concept and it's like, huh, and I'd make a note and then I'd go down that rabbit hole and I would, you know, and I would see something and I, and I'd go down the next rabbit hole until I was at, until I had nothing left. And I know that's how spirit kind of works through me is it'll point me in a direction and go, go <laughs> and let me dig until I find, you know, the whole picture. And then I can present that, you know, but I think, and when you write to me, you really have to take yourself out of the equation. You know, it's my job to report what I find, not to give you my opinion. Fair enough. Fair enough. That works. That works because you're, you're basing it on information rather than opinion. And God knows we've got enough opinions. opinions. <laughs> it would be nice if we could all deal in, you know, like, I don't know, facts. Facts would be good if we did that. And, and that's what you do in all the work that you've done. Now, I did have a question for you about because you mentioned about reincarnation. And um, some people believe it. Some people don't. Doesn't matter. They can do what they like. They'll find out at the end. Um, but the, the biggest question that I'm finding in humanity right now is at some point in everybody's life, they're stopping, they're looking around and they're saying, is this all there is? And why am I really here? What am I here to do in your research? What do you find that to be? Well, you know, even as you look at the ancient mythology, people are like, well, you know, if they were extraterrestrials, why are they here? You know, why did they create us? You know, there's not a whole lot of answers on the why part. There's like, right. so I don't really have a why answer. Um, I mean, I struggled with reincarnation for a really long time because there's this part of me, you know, like I was trained to do past life readings, so not past life regression, but just going, oh, well, you know, you were this and, I like to take the past life reading and say, and this is how you're utilizing that past life information in your life today. Um, 
you know, but then I do work with, you know, ghosts or attached entities, which are, you know, dead, invisible people, um, which says to me that one, they're not in heaven or else they wouldn't be hanging around. Right. Uh, and two, that there's still something there. And so it doesn't really seem, and, and I fully believe that, that we just, I'm going to give my Star Trek analogy. So in original Star Trek, there was the episode, I kind of get that you're a bit of a Trekkie. I am. Okay, so there was the episode where like Kirk and Spock or whatever, something happened and now they're like in a different time space continuum. So they're like walking around and they're normal and everybody else is like, You know, oh, yes. time goes on, it's like they've changed position, but from their perspective, they're going really slow. And from the like slow people's perspective, they can't see them. And so I could see like when you die because of this whole ghost thing that you move into a different frequency range. And so from our perspective, we can't see them. Right. And, but, and well, in, in that episode, if you recall, people could hear a buzzing. Mm-hmm. They couldn't see anything, but they, they felt like there was a buzzing like a bee that was around them. And it was actually the people that had the higher vibration were talking. And it was, and it was the, the, the sound was a higher vibration too. And so it sounded like a buzzing, which, um, so if, if go look at that episode, that was, that, that was really a lot of fun. But the thing is, is that, we are if our souls you know that our souls exist because of the chakra chakra work and the and the and the other work that you do um our souls vibrate at a higher level yes i would assume so and so when they vibrate at a higher level like that then when they leave the body they're they're not visible to us correct so it's not like you can for the most part for the most, some some people have a gift, uh, but but doctors and stuff when they lose patients. But have, have you ever have you ever talked to somebody from hospice? No, they are some of the most unique people who have the most stories. I'll bet it it, it, it is remarkable. When when my dad passed away, uh, he had had a stroke, and his right arm was his hand wasn't working anymore. He couldn't swallow. He couldn't talk. He couldn't, and he was not very cognitive. But at one point in time, two days before he passed away, he raised his arm like this to the ceiling and was talking in gibberish to somebody that was uh, like um, against the wall or it was up just against the ceiling. And uh, that coincided with a lot of people that have told me that, when people are dying, that people come to visit them and to help them transition. And, uh, and that's what I believe was happening there. And he was an agnostic. He had no earthly idea about any of that stuff. So I, you know, so I believe, I believe in it. And, and I, I think that we're, so why are we here? You don't know why we're here, but what, what is our purpose? And I know that you talk to people a lot about, their purpose or what they're trying to accomplish and that sort of thing. What do you, you what know, do you, there's what we're trying to do. And that, I mean, you know, we just kind of like grope around on this planet, you know, and hope we pick the right choice, you know, and kind of my, 
my thing is, you know, if this whole reincarnation thing is true, which I mean, I can see it if we're just like vibrating and I can see we're heaven or wherever we get boring and we want to like have some fun, you know, <laughs> and, <eat steak. laughs> and some donuts. Um, you know, that we would maybe want to come back. And if all the people that lived on the planet are individual souls, that's a lot of freaking souls, you know? So I could see this whole recycling thing. Um, okay, I had a point there, but now I just totally lost it. See, uh, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one who does that. <laughs> <laughs> so. But, so my positioning is, I don't really want to come back, you know? So in Eastern philosophy, we talk about the concept of nirvana, you know, where you go on the wheel of life until you dealt with all of your karma. And then, as I said, jokingly to a friend, and then you end up in a filing cabinet somewhere and you don't have to come back. That's nirvana. And I'm like, so I'm going to do everything in this lifetime so that I don't have to do it again in the next lifetime or clear as much stuff. You know, I would just like to be one of those people that everything just happens too easy. And I just am like super brilliant and it's easy because this life for me has not been easy. And there's been a lot of learning and a lot of challenges. And it's like, like, well, well that's, that's, that's good for you <laughs> um, and stuff. But, but uh, you know, the thing, and the cool thing is Dr. Rita is that, uh, my and my belief and I and my knowing of this is that you don't have to come back, and that's you know if you if you don't want to come back here and do it, but eventually you'll decide that you want to because of your own reasons and stuff. I think maybe maybe not. And and I've heard the same thing. And actually, uh, Brad Olson, I don't know if you know him or have interviewed him. You know, he posted something about well, we all chose to come. You know, and my response was. Well, I don't know what the heck I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll know when you get to the other side. And that's a, that's the cool thing. Uh, by the way, we've been talking with Dr. Rita Louise. Go to her website, which is soulhealer.com. I have to wrap this up, my friend, but is there anything you'd like to add before I go, before we go? Um, not that I can think of. You know, I just hope everyone had a happy Easter or they're celebrating a good Passover and are – um, being kind to themselves. This is a challenging time. And I think, you know, we all need to self-love and take care of ourselves so that we can help other people. See, you just said a lot. I know. You weren't going to say anything and you said a lot. So he did really good. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much, my dear. If you'll wait right there, I need to be do this and I'll be right back. The following presentation. No, I don't need to do that. I need to do this. Thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of KMmedia.pro. Please visit our website, oddly enough, named KMmedia.pro for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to each other.